this is from Books the Muse Podcast, a podcast for the young professional. This is your girl Erica Helling from Atlanta, Georgia. And it's your favorite staff member, Shaq. Y'all know where I live. Really, friend. I almost forgot. I was trying to, I was confused because I wanted to say the sunny state of Florida, but I didn't want to say Gainesville. And then I just kind of paused, but everybody know where I'm at. Oh, there's a lot going on. And this is Jasmine, Perfect Patty. I just got back from Lubbock, Texas, back in old Tyler. Did you get flued out? No, I drove them five and a half hours. Ooh. Well, I was flued out to California. Getting that work in California. And I'm niggas that show me love in California. Okay, we will not be using that word on here. I'm sorry. I don't believe in the usage of the N word. I'm not going to argue with you about that, but I do have receipts that say otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) There was another time in my life. Yeah, about three days ago. Anyways, how's everybody doing? I'm doing good. Like I said, I just got back from Lubbock at three o'clock today. And um, I had two exams. Like when you're in grad school for nurse practitioner, you have to do simulations with a mannequin or, um, you know, an actor and they tape you and they grade you on how your performance is or how your visit went. So, yeah, I did two of those this weekend and some lectures. I'm glad to be home. You delivered some mechanical babies. Yes. One. What's the, what was the other simulation? The other stimulation simulation was a newborn exam. Oh, how real how real life are the mechanical babies they real so you either get the mechanical baby or you get what we call an sp and that's like an actor with the belly and she like pushed the baby out for you to deliver like a real actor yeah just a robot yeah. no it's a real person they have on like a contraption yeah they have on like a belly and they can they have control enough to push the baby out of the fake vagina Oh, that's fancy. Yes. Yes. I'll learn something new. What about you, Shaquille? I'm doing good. I've been doing a little traveling, too. I've been from sea to shining sea, if you will. (laughs) I spent a little time over in, you know, I live in Florida. Um, I spent a little time in uh, California, been to Philadelphia, um, and now I'm back in Florida. So I've been working, you know, perusing around. But, you know, I was telling one of my friends today is like, because my, my trip to Philly, I was there just very quickly. So I flew, did an event and flew back. And why, you know, it seems like that would be something easy. Like you just sitting on a plane and you do an event and you come back. Like I was tired after sitting my ass on the plane. Mm-hmm. I guess it's the altitude or something. I mean, jet lag is real. I get it. But I just don't know what contributes to that. And I really need to do some research and figure it out because I thought I was just going to be like kicking the day and I'm tired. No, same. And I think about that, like, I used to kind of glamorize this lifestyle of like, you know, getting on a red eye and, you know, having a meeting at eight o'clock. If I, I didn't have to go to work (laughs) yesterday when I had, we took a red eye from California back and we landed at 7 a.m. on Friday. And thankfully, our supervisor, I was like, y'all don't have to come to work today, of course. But if I would have had to go to work, I, I just wouldn't have been able to function. I was so tired, like so tired. I would also imagine for this time zone, but didn't you also go to South Carolina like in the last three weeks? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So between you right between L.A. and Philly, I was I went to Myrtle Beach. So, yeah, 
on the road again. <laughs> Shoot, what didn't you do? Um, well, I've done a lot of things. I saved a few souls and, you know, so I, oh, I have my been God. Doing at what? work for running on for Jesus. Amen. Now, why are you lying? I have. Ha! Hallelujah. Hey. Oh, God. I just Let's feel like on. shouting. Anyways, I'm glad everybody is doing well on today. You ain't tell us Saturday. how you doing. Huh? She said she was tired. Oh, I'm, I, I am a little tired. <clears throat> Recovering from the time zone. It's crazy. So like when you go to California from here or whatever, it works in your favor. Like you chilling, waking up at six o'clock as though it was nine o'clock. You know, it's fine. But then when you get back, I have, I don't think I have been awake for more than three hours at a time since I returned. <laughs> and I'm probably going to go back to sleep after we finish recording this. So Amen. I'm, I'm so tired, but I'm, I've been traveling a lot too. I went to New York two weeks ago, just came back from California. And then I'm going to Dallas on Wednesday and then I'll be done until July. So, but then I'm chilling in a positive mood. And speaking of moods, I'm kicking it over hey. here at Station 6, Jasmine. Where am I on the mood elevator? I think I am. I'm real appreciative. So I'm done with my clinical hours for the semester. I got my two um, tests out the way. So I'm just coasting. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Graduation is August 16th. If y'all need my cash app to send me a little, little congratulations money, let me know. <laughs> Yeah, but you better I'm tell everybody excited. your cash app. Like we're already. Uh, and Jasmine, how can people reach you if they want to go? No, on the cool. I'm there. What is it? I don't know. You know, don't nobody actually know their cash app right. username. You have to go up. look. <laughs> I'm gonna pull it up. Jasmine, like if y'all want to send a a graduation gift, a wedding gift, whatever, whatever the Lord puts on your heart, go ahead and send it. Amen. Amen. Jasmine's cash app is cash tag jazz j a s d as in dog far f a r r once again that's jazz d far see that's what best friends are for you know what i'm saying they got your back yeah well let's see if the best friend uh you know go ahead and sow into you jasmine let's see if your friend just sows into your life right now and goes she already does because she helping with this wedding yeah so wedding the wedding, you and she. We ain't talked about this me. wedding. We ain't talked about this wedding, Jasmine. I'm ready. Tell me about it. You gonna get married or something? Just like you ready for this uh, update on this base search? Oh, okay. That means we ain't finna talk about it then. Okay <laughs> then. So, Erica, where are you on the mood elevator? Um, I think hopeful and optimistic. I am really in a pretty chill mood. I am optimistic. I'm going to see my family next week because we had a um, passing in the family, which is very sad. But I am hopeful and optimistic that all will go well um, and that I'll just have um, some good interactions with my family. Optimistic, especially because, y'all, my dad, he told me he was like, when you get home, we need to sit down and talk. I said, uh... About what? That he would make like, me nervous. Right. I was like, Daddy, like, what you mean? He was like, nothing's wrong. I was like, see, I'm not sure if you're just telling me that because you want me to calm, stay calm until I get home and you're going to tell me some dramatic ass news when I get home. My daddy ain't the type of person to be like, you know, let's sit down and chat, you know? He's really not. 
He not. And so I'm a little nervous. But this, but he, but this also could be a big ass prank from him. Prank or just something. He said he he used the word good. He said everything is good. It's good. Oh, okay. So I was like, okay. And I feel like my daddy would tell me. So whatever. You know, just I'm optimistic that everything is actually positive and that I'll have a great interaction with my dad and all of my family. Um and yeah, so that's where I am. What about you, Shaq? I have two different uh moods. And so I was actually talking with a colleague who um is a fan of books to bills and i asked her i was like oh what's your um where are you on the mood elevator just joking like talking about stuff we talked about she was like well you know i have two i have an inward facing and an outward facing and i was like well i'll be damned that's so true and so like Mm. inward facing i am more of like at this very moment um i think i'm like impatient and frustrated because i have a to-do list of things that i have to do around my house and I just know that the list is there, but I don't really have the will to actually get up and do it. So I'm like, you know, in this state of limbo, knowing I have these responsibilities, but I haven't actually, you know, done them or put a plan. So basically, it's just like cleaning up my house and stuff. Um, but then on the outside, I think I am very like um, I'd say I'm in the positive side. So more I have a sense of humor. Um, I'm feeling good, like other than the fact that I haven't done those responsibilities or knocked them out. Um, I'm just chilling. That's cool. Yeah, I got some stuff I need to do around the house too. And thankfully, you, have y'all ever traveled and left y'all house a mess and came back and been like, "Damn." Oh, like me when I went to LA, I went off y'all, and I didn't even have sheets on my bed. Ooh, <laughs> that's something. The nerve! <laughs> I had did a lot of laundry and stuff, and so I was going to put the sheets on the bed, but then it was getting closer and closer time for me to get my ass on out the house before I missed my flight. And I was like, well, ain't nobody going to be sleeping on the bed. It's just a mattress sitting there. So, like, I just waited till I got back. But I was not feeling like it when I made it back. Mm-hmm. But my, everything else was clean, though. So, yeah, I mean, I left my house clean these last two times that I left. It's just like small stuff. I really need the vacuum. I don't know why I'm struggling to vacuum this floor, but I'm really struggling <laughs> um, to vacuum. And it makes me think about my um my upcoming house purchase and how I didn't want no hardwood. But I might have to go ahead and cave in. <laughs> And just chalk it up the resale value because man, this vacuuming this whole apartment just does not sound appealing. So y'all throwing this stuff around here first. It was marriage. Now it's a upcoming house purchase. Like mm-hmm. it's some beautiful things on the horizon with books to bills, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, I think we all should be excited. We trying to move the culture. Okay, remind me. I I won't talk about it now, but on my what in the hell happened? I'm gonna tell y'all about something I learned at training about uh just racism. That really blew my mind. I'm going to type it in Child, on the agenda. I'm glad you said that. I got into it with a guy on Twitter. Well, I got into it. I engaged in debate with somebody on Twitter the other day about racism. Okay. And do you want to say that you, you want to talk what about? in the hell happened to? Okay, cool. I'm going to put it on here, too. Who got the petty question? You got the petty question? Okay. So, this is the question. You have two options. You can either, one, take the red pill to restart your life at age 10 with all the knowledge you have now, or you can take the blue pill and jump to 45 years old, which is about 15-ish years for us, with $50 million in the bank. I scrolled, I stumbled across this question, I think on Facebook, and I was like, I should definitely ask this. May I answer? 
Go ahead, because I was going to make you go first anyway. You know, as scripture declares, scripture declares that the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm. And so, no, I would not want no $50 million because that's just going to be a lot of problems. I would fall into that. I would fall in love with that money and lose sight of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ha, hallelujah. And so, no, I don't want that money. Just take me back to being 10 years old, knowing what I know now, because I would I would set some traps so we can intentionally expose a lot of people. Um, and I would. You so messy. Uh, uh, well, like, hey, racist people, like, almost... like people that I know are racist. I would I would get them exposed now. Like, you know, while I'm 10. OK, because you a kid, you can do and say little stuff that challenge folks, piss them off and make them sound off at the mouth, you know, and then Under I can the get away with it because I'm child. still a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Jazz? Did you want me to go? You go, Erica. So it's funny. When I saw the question, I purposely didn't ponder on my response so I could do it with y'all. And I'm still torn. But I will say, too, not so much because of the scriptural reference. Because I don't necessarily think that I would have a problem with that. But I think I would low-key want to go back to being 10 years old. Because I have often said multiple times that I would love to be in high school again. Um, I would also love to go back in time because I vividly remember being, especially like in middle school. So what's this like 12, 13 years old and thinking I was so fat, um, like thinking I was fat and y'all, I was probably 160 at the time, which is a weight that I probably could stand to be in now. So just remembering, just vividly remembering how fat I thought I was and just wanting to go back to remind myself that I, one, that I wasn't, I was beautiful. So to like really work on my self-esteem at that time um, and be, you know, still be more intentional about the, the food I was eating and being active. Um, I probably would have engaged in vocal lessons and singing more. And I also would have skated more. Um Amongst other things, I could go on and on about all the things that I would do differently um, if I could go back to 10 years old. But yeah, those are some of the big ones I think about all the time. I'm not going back. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do it. I don't. I hope that when we fast forward, if I had to choose, I want to fast forward. And I hope that I still have memories of what happened. It's not like a plop you into 45. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't want to go back. Mm-mm. That made me who I was. I don't want to relive it. I don't want to change nothing. Let's move forward with this money. I also want clarifying question. I got a clarifying question. Well, after Jasmine finished speaking, you acting 10. <clears throat> I'm done. <laughs> wow, I am. <laughs> My apologies. Are you finished? I'm I'm finished. No, I will say it's hard on it's hard on the phone because you look at somebody and they close their mouth and turn their head and you think they done. And then Jasmine was just thinking that she was like, especially because and then I was like, oh, shit. So it's okay. <laughs> no, I'm just instigating. No, I want to know, like, do I have the same education, educational knowledge? So like math and calculus and stuff that I learned now, like, <laughs> do I have that at 10? Because then that'll just be scary. If you knew how to do math like that. Yeah, like if I knew all of this and if I knew and if I could predict the future, like. I don't know. I think it says with everything that you know now. And so to me, that either means that maybe you either have the ability or it will manifest again at the time that it did. Oh, I would be famous because I would just start telling everybody, well, this is actually going to happen right here. Oh, because you mean because you know it's going to happen in the future? Mm hmm. 
Have y'all watched um, Umbrella Academy on Netflix? Yes, it's good. No, Shaq? No, I'm... Mm-mm. Well, there's a kind of a something that speaks to that. Like, one of the characters, his superpower, if you will, is being able to time travel. And he gets stuck for, like, what, 50 years in the future? And he comes back to the present, like, a few days before the world is about to end. And he knows this. And so he's trying to tell everybody... But, and he's basically trying to tell everybody and he's also trying to keep it from happening, but he realizes how convoluted it is because it's so many different things wrap up in it. And so he, in his future life, you know, while he was stuck there, he was actually hired as well. I think it was like a contractor, but like mm-hmm. basically he would change history. So like at one point he was contracted to I guess killed the person that killed Kennedy, but he didn't do it because inevitably, like, had he had killed the person that killed Kennedy, that would have changed history. So, like, that's what he was trying to do. So that's what this made me think of. Like, even if you had the knowledge, I wonder how much you could really shape how much the future would change. Because ultimately, I think it would be different, or maybe it would stay the same, all because you knew. Or what if it's just that you knew, but you really couldn't tell nobody and you just had all of these random thoughts always in your head because you knew what was going to happen. But even like when you made bad decisions, like you knew you were about to make a bad decision, but you couldn't stop yourself. I think about the fact that like 10 years, you being 10 years old is, you know, not 20 years ago, but almost. And so like think about how technology and everything has changed and think about the ways in which people just would just back then would not have even believed the way that even just cell phones function. So what if people were like, oh my God, what do you mean cell phones can, you know, do this or that? Like, that's stupid. You know? Yeah, I think just think you crazy. They're going to lock you up. Mm-hmm. Do you remember like how people used to say like, people never would have thought that uh, cars would have worked. People thought that, you know, it would never be a day where people wouldn't be rolling around on horses. And now mm-hmm. we got cars that do everything. Right. Well, that was my, wasn't quite petty, but insightful question for this week. Thank you for indulging me. Jasmine, you said I was petty for that, but I, like, would you expose people to? Just, just want to know, like. <laughs> I think if it came down to somebody's life, I would be like, okay, y'all, you know, let's, this is about to happen. But on some other petty stuff, no. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, on. Our last episode, um, Listener's Digest, we talked about quite a few things, just testing out some different ways to, you know, engage in conversation with you all. Um, One of the things that we talked about was Jesse uh, Smollett, a.k.a. Jesse Smollett, (laughs) (laughs) and um, everything going on. um, Yeah, I think it's weird. I think that that is still kind of up in the air about what is true and what is false. But we definitely want to give you our thoughts on that. Um, We also talked about the Jordan Woods situation with the Kardashian family and this scandal. Also threw in some um, stuff about the R. Kelly situation, which at this point, everybody knows has blown up with the interview with him and Gail. But yeah, I just wanted to, you know, tap into some pop culture stuff going on. Did y'all have any comments or anything that anybody shared with y'all or any comments that came up for y'all even after we recorded? I have a personal reflection Mm -hmm. um, for the folks who got to the end and saw where we had a little session of. Erica and Jasmine fix my life. Um, we'll talk about it in the base <laughs> session, but I really took y'all advice. I think y'all gonna be proud of me. Oh yay! 
<laughs> did friend didn't wasn't this the episode where you said if somebody had listened all the way to the end you was gonna get them ten dollars and anybody ever reached and out? ain't a single person listen all the way to the end yep and so I'm, i still got my ten dollars and the offer is off the table go ahead and send that ten dollars to uh ask nurse J. oh yeah i'll send it to uh Jasmine, the literary uh, person, because I ain't heard from Nurse J in so long, I forgot she even existed. The folks just out here about to die. <laughs> really? Anyway, I was going to say, I've had a lot of people text or call me with nursing health <laughs> questions, and so I need y'all to pay up on that copay. It's $10 a visit. Erica, I'm getting you for back, I think she's uh, telling you, Erica. <laughs> back support, okay? I need you to pay on up. I think no, she's ma'am. talking to you, Erica. Like you offer me medical support, and I give you social emotional uh, support. So we even in this mug. You sure right? Because Erica saved me from going off on my coworker the other day. So, Whew. my God, oh, y'all. Okay, first of all, I don't think uh, Erica, you're the only one that shares an office with somebody. But there are certain things that sh- the way you carry yourself when you share an office, like. You don't play your music all loud. If you have a personal call, you step outside the office. If you have some coffee, like you drink like a normal human being, you don't slurp your coffee all loud. <laughs> Ooh, that irks me, y'all. That irks me. Go on, on, preach. Yeah, I thought you did share office. I do. That's why I said I'm about to kill this bitch. I mean, excuse oh, me, this was, girl. Oh, I can relate. Mm. I got you. Yes, you can relate. <sighs> I just, you know, when you... It's too much going on. I can't concentrate. You slurping. You playing, uh, you know, other things in the background. I'm like, girl. And I bet this also amplified too, Jasmine, because you have to do this and deal with her at work all to go home and have to go to school. Yes. Bless you. Hey, we we all know that you have a heavier load at work than everybody else. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that one day, which I think we have talked about the fact that I think this happens with people a lot. But I think women in general, I mean, women in particular, how like they'll just be given so many work responsibilities, black women, um, like they don't have anything else to do or anything like that. And it made me think about somebody very near and dear to me. I will tell you who it is off the air, which I don't, I don't think it would even matter. But um. They have basically been doing a job for someone who has been on medical leave for months. And that personal medical leave can no longer come back to her job. She's not being fired, but she has to go somewhere else. Um, And this person has been doing their job in their absence for months. And so, of course, because she's leaving, they had to open a job up and they applied for it and was immediately rejected. But I've been doing this. I do this was immediately rejected immediately like didn't even make it past the screening Mm. well it's funny that you bring that up uh erica because when i was in myrtle beach the other day a colleague and i we actually talked about um tokenism and cultural taxation that's what we presented about Mm. and so it was Mm. this idea that people um like because you're a person of color or some like you have to take on more responsibility. Sometimes it's because you're actually told to, or sometimes because there is a, a, a miss, like a need for it and how you, you're not necessarily appreciated. And oftentimes your actual job performance is judged. Like, you know, 
your performance appraisal appraisal is actually judged on whether or not you can juggle all these extra things that you are not getting paid to do. So we talked about that. It's crazy you say. Wow, that's really good. Yeah. And it makes me sad because that person, she told me, she was like, I just felt so used. Like, I just felt so used. Like, I could do it while it was, you know, something that, that was, you know, temporary. But now that you need somebody to do it full time, like, I'm not, I'm not, I can't even be considered. And I was like, nah, you should feel bad for that. Um, but I'm optimistic and I, I think she's going to be okay. But she's optimistic that, you know, maybe it just wasn't the right timing. And maybe as much as she was capable and succeeding at the job, maybe it's actually not a good place for her um, and was going to bring on some other things that she just didn't deserve either. So, but yeah, I, that really bothers me. And then it's these same black women who die from stress or end up getting on drugs or end up just abusing other things and everybody's surprised. Right. So I think it's like at my job, it's okay. Jasmine can handle it. She's been doing a good job. So let's add more to her plate rather than developing these other people on your team so that mm-hmm. they can handle their caseload. Remember, that was one of my frustrations at my old job. Remember I was talking about how like, yeah. you just get extra stuff just because you quote unquote a good employee and you don't get paid for it. Yeah. And it takes me back to how like that study came out about how doctors have admitted not really believing black women when they say that they are having particular pains and mm-hmm. don't treat them because they just feel like they're strong enough. And it's like strength has nothing to do with it. Just because I'm strong enough to handle something don't mean I want to handle it or that I even have to. Um, so yeah, little side topic thing. Um, but yeah, that's what we talked about last week. Um, any more reflections? Any more, anybody else texting and calling y'all? Cool, cool, cool. So this week we're going to continue on, um, along the lines of education. So Jazz, would you like to start with us today? Sure. I actually um, had to share this story or my journey with one of my classmates because you ever been to a conference and they put all your initials by your name on your badge? We just, oh my gosh, y'all, this is so many full circle moments, but yes. What you mean, like Erica M- B A M A? Yeah. Oh, I only got, I don't, don't nobody ever put my B A on there. Don't nobody ever put my A M A on there. I got to correct that. You need to get all your uh, credentials. Well, honestly, I don't. I I've re- I haven't gotten a name tag since I graduated from grad school. <laughs> <laughs> you need so. to get one. What were you about to say, Shaq? That was on um on Black Sap, um, a group that we are both in. Erica was just talking about how like it was basically asking people who have several credentials, do you prefer to put it after your name or not? And I'm the type of person where I don't want it behind my name. Like I just I don't want. Now, I think if when I get my Ph.D., which is the highest uh, that I attend to attain, I think I'll put that behind my name when it warrants it. But I don't want to be known as, you know, Shaq. And this is going to sound so crazy. I don't want to be known as Shaq, the scholar or the degree person, the person with all these degrees. I just want to be known as Shaq. And I get. First of all, where y'all stand on it? Well, let Jasmine finish what she was going to say. Give me all my credentials. Okay. You should know that I'm educated. Don't play me, okay? And so, because all, all my name, well, you know, 
I'll sound pretentious if I want to, but it says Jasmine Farish, R-N, B-S-N, M-P-H, S-N-M. Okay. Come on now. Come on now. So, What's S-N-M? Student nurse midwife. Okay. And after I graduate, hmm. it's going to say M-S-N, A-P-R-N, C-N-M. Okay. Girl, you got so the alphabet on this mug. Don't. Because I earned it. I feel like we, especially as black women, I'm going to speak to us, that we don't want to put ourselves out there and be pretentious, but we earned that. Like, I didn't lost sleep over them letters. And so, yes, you will know that that's a part of me. Um, so we had a conversation about that. Also had a conversation because I quoted myself in one of my discussions. <laughs> Well, you have to do that, though. You right. have to it do is, that. It's so such not, thing as self-plagiarism. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so I quoted myself because in undergrad, and we really need to talk about mentors one day, okay? Okay. So in undergrad, I was um, a part of a scholar program where you had to submit an undergraduate thesis, and my thesis got published. And so in graduate school, I quoted my paper. I worked hard on that. And so they were kind of, you know, like, how did that feel? You know, were you hesitant about um, quoting? I'm like, no, because that was hard work. And I know my research because I did it. So, yes, I'm going to quote myself in these upcoming discussions. Hell, I felt empowered when I did so. Okay. (laughs) Right. Shoot. But anyway, um, we were talking about that and it just, someone asked me, how did I get motivated to do the work that I do? Um, and so starting from when I was young, I used to watch a baby story. Have y'all seen that on TLC? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's a story of like people, people going into labor and their whole labor story and things like that. I would watch that all the time. And my parents thought I was crazy. And so I knew from then like, okay, I want to be a midwife, not a midwife. I wanted to be like an OBGYN. I want to do this and that. But then that was just too much school. So I decided I want to be a nurse instead. And I ran with that. And my dad, um, he does home health. And so I saw that aspect, but I just wanted to work with women. Um, And so when I applied for school, I applied to three schools. I applied to Grambling, Louisiana Tech, and then randomly Lamar University. Because I was head over heels over Grambling. You know, my family had gone there. So we had drove up to Grambling. My mama saw all those Negroes on the stairs hanging out. She was like, oh, no, (laughs) this is not where you will be going. You need to pick another school. And so I ended up randomly seeing an ad for Lamar and how they had a 100% pass rate on their nursing exam. And so my mom was like, yep, that's where you need to go with them others. That's where you need to go. Get your education. So I went there. um, And it's a smaller campus. I think I appreciate that a lot because I felt like I was in the mix of things without having without getting lost on campus. And so I got my nursing degree there, my bachelor's degree from there. And then when I was working in public health, I decided I want to go back to Liberty University to get a master's in public health. Um, and I just picked Liberty because it was one of the cheapest. It's a good name school and they have eight week courses. So I knew I didn't want to do that whole semester thing. Like I need to, I can do anything for eight weeks. Let me get them eight weeks out the way and move on. But what a lot of people don't know is that I actually went to grad school at Lamar before I went to Liberty. And I was working full-time, full-time night job at the hospital, going to school full-time, and was a grad assistant. And I flunked. I was trying to do too much. I flunked. I took, like, a little semester break, and then I went back to Liberty um, and completed my master's there. 
But you were already at, working as an RN, right? Right. Wow. Yeah, I had a, I had a little bit too much dip on my chip. <laughs> shit, I'm sitting there like, dang, I couldn't imagine this. Right. Man, it was crazy. But I learned my lesson. Like, it's not worth it. Um, and now I'm at Texas Tech. I love it. I graduated in August. There are like three big midwifery schools, um, Texas Tech, Georgetown, and Frontier. Oh, and Baylor University. Texas Tech is probably about the um, cheapest, which I didn't want to take out a lot of student loans. I didn't want to pay a lot out of pocket, and it's hybrid, so I only go to campus once or twice a semester. Everything else is online and in my community, so that was important to me. Wow. Isn't it interesting how... You know, you say your mama saw them black people, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, no, we're not going here. But why is that? And I think I, you know, very similar. When I thought about HBCUs or when I saw a lot of black people, I just was automatically like, oh, I won't be successful here. Why is that? I think, um, and this will tie back into what I said I want to talk about in terms of racism. But um, I think we have, we as in black people, we have 100% lost sight. And some of us don't even know. Like, the only reason I even know about the role of African-American people in education is through foundations of higher ed with Dr. Uh, Mitchell. But those Was that of a us class? Who, yeah, foundations when we learned about... Uh, <laughs> you looking at me like, what class is that? Yes, yeah, I know, but that, I mean, I get it, but we took the same class, so I just want everybody else to have the same oh, frame I'm of sorry. reference. <laughs> you looked at me like you forgot. <laughs> Um, foundations of higher education is the class you take in a uh, grad school. We took in grad school to talk about basically the inner workings, the beginnings of education. And we learned a lot about African-Americans role in that. And of course, it's no secret. African-American people did not have the the um, did not initially have the opportunity to go to school um, in general, let alone pursue higher education. And eventually just things, some things opened up and this is kind of where the birth of HBCUs come into play. And so I think those of us who know that, um, we've one lost sight of that, um, and lost sight of the struggle that really existed for our ancestors to even get the opportunity to, to obtain a higher education. And I think, in in forgetting that, in being in being oblivious to that, we have also become brainwashed by white people. And I don't even like I'm not even joking. I I fully believe this. We've been brainwashed by white people to think that one education is not important, so therefore we are less likely to pursue education in general, and especially with our own people. Um, we have really bought into this idea that you know people of color um, at this point are just not capable of teaching one another we're not capable of learning and i think through that we have just said okay even though we may not 100 percent connect with um the majority in this way we have been taught to trust that whatever that they have learned whatever it is that they whatever whatever information they have to offer is certainly more credible than that of the people who we look like um and i think that has made us just kind of disown or just not trust the education that our institutions provide. Um, that's a big piece that I think it is because I was told something similarly when I was going to school to not go to Prairie View A&M um, because they would lack resources, especially in comparison to the University of Houston. And um, they would, I would also have the opportunity to be around black people the rest of my life and that I need to be around a more diverse population. Hmm. I was told the same thing, told I, I didn't need to go to University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, which was HBCU. So I get it. 
And I'm just thankful now. And I think y'all probably can say the same thing. It's like now that we have our degrees and we're we are young professionals, you I see so many great people that went to HBCUs and they are doing a damn thing. And so not that I have to, but some of that every time I see it, I just get so happy just by knowing how wrong people were. And I think now it's my duty and our duty to make sure that we, you know, like let people know that you can get a quality education at an HBCU. So well, certainly. I agree. I think that um, for me or my mom was like, okay, I don't want you to have no distractions. So if I put you in the school with all these white folks, you're not going to be distracted. <laughs> um, but not like the quality of education. Because like I said, I have family in Gremlin that have graduated from Gremlin. Like that's not the, that's, that wasn't the case. But I see how very different it is with a friend of mine, like her family pushed, like it was just, what it was like to breathe like oh yeah you going to hbcu you going to howard it was no question because that's where the best education is or you going to prairie view because everybody else in our family been at prairie view and we all you know engineers teachers whatever it may be so i hope that more people put their energy into hbcus and encourage their own children to have that experience um, especially if you've seen other people have a positive one Amen. And I think the other pieces, I think that HBCUs need to also understand that power because, I mean, it's no secret. I work with a couple of HBCUs that, I, I, if I'm 100% honest, like, I'm not confident in them. And I don't know where the disconnect happens, um, but I think it's a, we've been taught from the outside to looking in to say, oh, that's not a credible institution. And I almost feel like there's a lack of self-efficacy in that of HBCUs and what they feel like they can deliver. Cause I feel like they definitely have the ability and a lot of them do, but then there are some where I'm like, I'm not sure I would want any of my students, my own children or not to go there and not because it's an HBCU, but because of how it's functioning. Um, and so I think that's a big piece too. Um, but I that think that's the same. I hate to cut you off, but I think you're going to find it with any institution that you go to. I, I do think that, but I feel like it's extremely exaggerated in the experiences that I've had with some of the schools that I work with, like the turnover and some, a lot of these schools are small, 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 right? So you see that, but the turnover, the scandal, what's in the media, which also could be because of the nature of the people there, but just the, some of the things that I have dealt with, I, I'm not... I guess in some ways I'm saying it's HBCU specifically, but that's not what I'm trying to convey. I just don't know what it is. But when I compare it to other schools that are not, I'm like, what's happening? What's going on um, here? Um, but I wouldn't dare say that's all HBCUs. But it makes me sad that I often see that those negative experiences that students have exaggerated at those schools. And I wonder what it is. And I want to dig deeper into what that is and why those experiences tend to happen to our students there. I would say I worked at a, a, a institution that's not an HBCU and I got some of those same things. And so I just encourage us to be cautious is when we think about it. It's not think about this because it's not that it was an HBCU. It just happened to be an HBCU, right? What? There's problems? Yeah, like the problems and things that they're facing. And I think that la even the language that we use right there is is a product of whiteness. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. There's so many things back there, but yeah. I guess my turn. So to answer the initial question that was posed, I don't know. I, with me having my master's, like, I don't necessarily think, well, for one, I don't really ever see anybody walking around doing it. I think that means people can't, but um, walking around, like, you know, acknowledging themselves as having a master's, like I'm Erica Holland <laughs> MA. <laughs> um, and so for that reason, I probably just wouldn't do it. 
I do buy into the fact that it's pretentious, but I think that that's wrong because I think that other groups of people certainly get the opportunity uninhibited to walk around and display their their accomplishments, even if it has nothing to do, even if it doesn't have their credentials. So I probably should be a little a lot less hard on myself about that. Um, but with this particular thing, I like to put it in my email. Um, or if it's something like, I guess, formal, I would like for it to be there or I like for it to be acknowledged because similar to you, Jasmine, I worked very hard for those letters and I'm very proud of them. But I think I've been toying with the idea of if I would want people to call me doctor when I get my PhD. And I don't know yet. I feel like definitely in class. I just think it'll be cute to be Dr. E. Um, but beyond <laughs> that, um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. And I also think there's differences in our fields. Like, I feel like if as someone who goes to medical facilities, I want to see every goddamn letter you got behind your name so I can make <laughs> sure that, you know, I feel secure and what you're able to do for me. But I feel like anybody can be an educator, not to water down what we've done, but I feel like anybody can be an educator. And so, like, any, I, I don't know, like, if people look at it and just think the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I need to know you got your master's before you teach this psychology class. It's like... Okay, here it is, you know, kind of thing. I don't know. I will say that certainly made me makes me feel comfortable in terms of healthcare. I chose my dentist because he has a um is it a DOD or DMD, excuse me, DMD, DND, whatever. And then he also has a PhD. So not only is he like a a doctor of dentistry, he is a like he teaches this and he has studied Dr. and research. Philosophy. you know, all that stuff too. So I did choose that based off letters. And I never thought about that until you just said it. How truly like certain things. Yes, I want to see them letters because I need to know you credible. Yeah. So, Jasmine, you you put A, B, C, D all the way to element of Peter X, Y, Z. And we need to see that because if you finna yeah. come up in my house and deliver a baby in my ba- in my tub in a water birth, you know, because that, that's what I imagine when I think about midwives. Um, I need you and to you have all them letters. you got a certificate from Google. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. <sighs> no, ma'am. Um, but yeah, so I speaking of um a degree from Google, you know, Erica <laughs> got an honorary uh degree because she I a medical a degree because she know. Mm-hmm. I, you know, a, she took I'm, that pharmacy class that one time in undergrad. I, I am an honorary <laughs> pharmacist and registered nurse and lawyer. But she be calling <laughs> me for uh advice. I mean, I know where my credibility ends. Anyway, go <laughs> so, ahead, Erica. <laughs> I got to reach out. So other people can listen to you, but you can't listen to you. God is. No, I always tell people, you know, do you go out and research like I did. Learn you something. Um, yeah. So it's funny. I was told this story a lot uh, uh, over the last couple of weeks, just talking to high school students. But I, when I was in high school or whatever, I was studying vocal performance and I knew um, my junior year that I did not want to study music professionally. Um, and to also just talk about some of the other things that we've bought into because I was taught that it wasn't going to be a lucrative business. Like I wasn't going to make money. It was going to be very difficult. Um, and so I didn't want to do it. And there was a little bit of me just not want to do it. So I had to figure out what I wanted to study. And so I was really blessed <laughs> to get an internship with what? Did somebody tell you that, friend? Like, did they be like, okay, you're not going to make a lot of money with this field, so you don't need to go into vocal performance? Yeah, I think that was definitely an idea that was kind of convincing. Were they slick trying to tell you that you couldn't sing? Uh, (laughs) That's all. I I know you can sing, friend. I know that. But that's all I can. That's why I chuckle, because that's the only thing I can think about. 
No, I think I think it was a kind of a mix of that and just because I went to perform in ice high school, like a lot of people leave there at a at a pretty advanced level to say that they're only 18. And I was definitely behind the curve just because a lot of the people who went to my school also went to the performing arts middle school. And I did not went to the law middle school. So um but anyway all to say i ended up doing an internship with young brands which is the company that um owns <laughs> what <laughs> nothing I, I know this story and you tell us all the time i'm excited oh young brands which is the company that owns long john silvers pizza hut and um a&w and and taco bell right no and taco bell i think one of those companies actually not there no more but anyway i did the internship with them really love working with the food got to learn all this different stuff about pizza and just just how the food industry works so i was like well let me look into that ended up stumbling upon university of houston and they have a hotel on campus where students go to the conrad in hilton school of hotel restaurant management my cousin picked me up the cousins that i always talk about he picked me up actually he flew me to uh, houston which is actually my you first time flew out back then my cousin flew me out Hey, but get flewed out up in high school. (laughs) (laughs) My cousin flew me out to Houston so I can do like going to college tour. We were supposed to actually go on multiple college tours, but we were only able to make it to U of H. And so I fell in love. I was like, I want to go here. I apply um, and I actually get rejected. I did not get into the University of Houston. And um, I don't know. Like I told my students the other day, I was like, I don't really know what told me because nobody physically told me Erica do this. What I'm about to tell you that I did. But something was like just calling ass. And so I called the admissions office and I was like, is there any other way that I can get into this institution? Like, I really want to go there. Like, it's my dream. Like, I've been there, you know, just all this stuff. And this lady who I do not know who her name is and I wish I knew who she was. um, She was like, well, you qualify to do the Cougar Pride program, which is where you go to school. Um, the summer before starting, go to community college, take at least two classes, get at least a 2.0, and then you'll automatically be admitted. But I didn't know that going into that program that I would be in the UC Scholars Program, which is also the program for students who don't get admitted outright, that don't meet the minimum admissions requirements, or haven't declared a major. So I did it, got admitted, made a 4.0 in uh, little college classes, and... She's smart. Do you hear me? She right. didn't just get a 2.0. She got, got double that. In psychology and English. So I said, let me go on, you know? And so I went, had the most amazing experience of my life. And I honestly, I'm really grateful to U of H that I didn't necessarily feel like they treated me as though I had deficits. I had to take that one hour course. Um, where you like learn about school it's like a freshman experience class that i had to take but i mean that was pretty much it and kind of the rest is history um and then i decided as i was graduating or whatever that i want to go ahead and go to grad school because similar to what i was told about music it was like you're not gonna be able to really do a lot with a bachelor's degree in psychology so you need to at least be trying to pursue a master's to you know be able to utilize your degree and so initially i wanted to study mental health counseling um i had a mentor that was like i really think you should consider higher ed i did it and um i applied to a few schools one of them being university of texas at austin which i was rightfully admitted into but i also knew amen i was i also knew but i i felt like affirmative action was working in my favor too because when i went into the uh when i went to the interviews i was the only like it was maybe me and one other black person um and i was just like <laughs> and then when i saw <laughs> they like, had, uh, like yeah no and this is how I really knew because then they posted like these average scores of all of the candidates 
And you know, average means somebody falls outside of it, somebody got higher. I was like, oh, I'm definitely in a low end in this average. And I was looking around like, okay. I was like, I'm glad I got admitted, but something about this seems interesting. But needless to say, I ended up going to LSU. And I think I know the real reason why you went to LSU, friend. Why? It's because you met me at interview days. Hallelujah. See there? Boy, boo. <laughs> um, you ain't gonna give me a little credit, friend? Dang. I thought we, I thought we really connected, me, you, and Emily Rose. We did. And it's funny because okay. our friend Harold, Harold Brown. Hey, Harold. Me and Harold, <laughs> me and Harold went to middle school together. And me and Harold, right around probably a month or so, before I actually even applied. Actually, I won't say a month. So we had started following each other on Instagram long before. And I see his pictures. We never really interacted. But I looked at his profile and saw that he was an LSU Tiger. And so I reached out to him on Instagram. And I was like, hey, do you like LSU? I'm thinking about applying for grad school. And lo and behold, he was in the same program. Hmm. Um, And so after not talking for literally years, I reached out to him. And he going to the same school for the same program I want to be in. So he gave me a lot of tips and tricks about how to go, who to talk to, who to email. Um, to make sure my resume and stuff was saw out. And he really ushered me through that whole process. And he was like, you might get this, but just know you in. Like, you gonna get in. And I'm like, okay, I don't really know. But I got in. I got in. and Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh, but that's not even why I mentioned it. This is my last thing I said. Um, He kept telling me, like, oh, I have my brother. My brother, I really want you to meet him. Like, his name is Shaq. Like, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And he wasn't saying it like he wanted us to meet specifically. But he, I think, I, I think by that time, you was actually staying with him i think and i think he knew that for interview days you know what i'm talking about yeah mm-hmm. and so like he was just like yeah my friend shack and he said y'all connected because i had some similar experiences and so i was like oh, okay but i remember what you wore and i remember thinking like damn that's a sharp ass blazer he had on this green blazer y'all okay okay i remember that and that golden black tie uh mm-mm uh, that one the towels around But I remember that green blazer vividly. Okay, okay. I was turning heads. Look at me. But full <laughs> circle moment, real quick. I met Harold at that same conference in undergrad that Jasmine said that we don't ever do nothing at when we go. <laughs> <laughs> so absolutely, um, nice. I had no idea he was an alpha. Wow. And, oh, and I was going to say, too, the good thing about I took out a lot of loans for undergrad that I am currently paying back. And I talked to a lot of students about my mistakes there. But I was really for University of Texas and LSU. I was going to have the opportunity to go to school for free because I was offered an assistantship at both schools. So, like, yeah, I, I don't even remember who told me about that and how I could go to school for free. But that was definitely like a big piece. So I wasn't really even tripping on tuition. Or pay because I was at least I knew for a fact I was getting at least you know eight hundred to a thousand dollars a month on my assistantship and I wasn't really tripping. Amen. So that's my college story, abbreviated. And I think everybody got a, a like a long, long like if you really think about it, you got a long mm-hmm. list of reasons that contributed to like why you went to a certain university. I want to hear mine. Yes. Say I go with you. I'm gonna tell my story. I go with you. I go with you, friend. Come on. <laughs> So y'all know I'm from Arkansas and very proud to be. Um, Arkansas is just run deep, runs deep through me. I applied to one school. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> one school. And it was the University of Arkansas. I I knew like I just I had because I had been to, you know, through 
through band and all these different types of things. I have been to a lot of the universities across the state. Um, going out of state really wasn't an option to me because it was so expensive. Um, but yeah, so I knew that I wanted to go to um, to Arkansas, to University of Arkansas. And if I can revisit something else we said, Erica, you know how you was like, if you can go back to where you was 10, I would like to go back. And one of the things that I would like to um, improve on is like my music skills and stuff, because I could have gotten a better scholarship and, you know, for school. So some things like that, like college preparedness, I probably would have done a little bit uh, better early on. So that's one like real perk that I actually would have um, taken advantage of. Anyway, so um, I went to Arkansas and I had in mind that I would be a software engineer. That is what I wanted to do because all growing up, I was the person in the family who really didn't know what I was doing, but I somehow fixed everybody's computers in the family. I installed everything, <laughs> you know, so I was the computer person. So I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. I get there and I start, you know, taking these classes and I was doing good in the classes, but I look around and I didn't see anybody that looked like me. Like in my electives and, and outside of the class, I saw a lot of people who were doing some great things, but there were a handful of people who looked like me that was taking these same coding classes and stuff. And so while I'm here, I am like a freshman and sophomore learning these things and like learning how to program and stuff for the first time. A lot of my colleagues, like they have been doing this since they were in 10th grade and stuff. And I'll never forget, like when I was a sophomore, I was a mentor for a freshman and he was he could code way better than me because he had been doing it for so long. So, like, that's some stuff I would have fixed if I was in um, had I went to school early. But anyway, I think a lot of that contributed to the fact that I didn't necessarily like the experience. And so I remember calling home and I had always always like wanted to be a teacher or a band director or something like that. And so I called home and I told my granny, I was like, you know, I just I was driving in my car. I never forget the night. I was like, OK, I, I think I'm about to change my major. And she was like, what do you mean? I said, I think I'm about to go into um, education, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, excuse me, <laughs> y'all. And my granny is not very dramatic. This lady done started crying on the phone and everything, <laughs> talking about how, how, and then she get the praying. She talking about how, like, I, basically, I was having a hard time in that one moment. And I was going to let this change my whole life and all this kind of stuff. And that I was being lazy and all this kind of stuff. And that the world had gotten a hold of me. I mean, she was <laughs> like, it's a trick of the me, enemy. Yes, yes. Everything was the enemy. And I'm like, oh, Lord. And so that's how I decided that I was like, OK, I can do this. I can still get this degree. So I have a degree in computer science from the College of Engineering. And so, like, I did it. But I knew that I didn't want to do that. That was like not what I wanted to do. Like I said, I saw more people who looked like me and acted like me, like outside of the classroom and all these other places, like getting involved. And so from the, like I was involved as an orientation leader, like I got involved as orientation leader my first year. And after that, I just did so many different things. And every single time I loved it, like I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I wanted to go in student affairs. Um, I, applied, I didn't I didn't only apply to one grad school. I knew better than that. I applied to a few grad schools and I ended up at LSU, of which that just don't make sense to nobody because everybody know how much of a Razorback fan I am. And LSU and Arkansas are arrivals. Anyway, I ended up there and I met my friend. Hey, friend. Hi, friend. Yes. And we didn't um, even really become friend friends inside second year. Right. Because I was living off campus way across Baton Rouge. But then when I got on campus, I was right there by Erica and I needed somebody to bother and get on their nerves every day. And so and that's he how did we it successfully. Became, did. Um, but yeah, so that's how I am. That's like that's how I got to be where I am today. But I was really thinking on this and I was like, what happens if I didn't get accepted to Arkansas? Like what would have happened to me? Because I, I would have been way late behind the curb applying to these different places and stuff. and 
luckily I did kind of know because so Arkansas had these, they had minimum emissions requirements. And so back then, I think it was like if you had a 3.0 and you got a 21 on the ACT, like you automatically accepted. You know, that was definitely the, the thing, same for me. And I got like a 20. Yeah. So like, um, so I knew that I was going to be accepted by the uh, by my credentials. And so I was like, OK, that's where I'm going. I was first gen. So I ain't know nothing about no money. I didn't think about like how I was going to pay for it, all of these kind of things. Luckily, I did have scholarships that paid for it. But like that wasn't a concern of mine. You know, I was just like, oh, I'm going to go be a Razorback. So, yeah, very thankful. But I was thinking, like, if I didn't get accepted, where would I be? Hell, I don't know. And I don't even really want to think about it. I just thank the good Lord that I am where I am. Amen. Now, that's real. And I know I, I if I hadn't got accepted, if I had of if I if the my second uh thing, I can't even think if they hadn't given me the option to get into university like I would have like I wanted to go, I would have been at Prairie View and like because that was the only other school I got accepted to. And lo and behold, I had also been accepted to their honors uh, college. So I would have went in there with scholarships and I would have went in already being in an honors college at that school. I think my whole life would be different. Because one, like, I think about jazz. I probably wouldn't have joined ALO because ALO wasn't even there no more. Probably definitely would have. Oh, and you wouldn't have met jazz, man. You wouldn't have met me. I pro- I mean, but you know what? Something that I'm finding out is that I, I who knows? I may have because I just think about if you still would have done what you did and us being a little off because you graduated what a year and a half before me mm-hmm. maybe if if you would have still joined ALO maybe I would have saw you on campus one day I don't think I would have joined ALO I think I probably would have pursued D9 because I think they're my cousins just because I feel like D9 culture at HBCUs is like like huge um, and it was huge it was true, but I just feel like it's something huge and I think that my cousins probably would have like talked to me about it a lot sooner or maybe would have initiated that conversation with me. Um, and I also don't know what I would have studied. I may have studied nursing if I hadn't went to a uh, preview. Who knows? You should have. You think you know everything. Then it'll be Ask Nurse E. Ask Nurse E. Ask Dr. E. So, who knows? But, friend, why did you... We talking about admissions and stuff. Why did you bring this up? I know, I know you had a reason. It's an elephant heavy. Yes. I had a reason, baby. <laughs> because it got me to think about admissions and like yeah i had minimum like i met the minimum admissions requirements but y'all know a lot of schools don't post those and i think they're probably going away from those types of things specifically like the place i work at now there are no standard minimum admissions requirements hell there was like over forty thousand folks who applied and only like fourteen thousand got accepted mm. so they do holistic review no Mm-mm. it's a it's a very high achievement school so like they get they do what they want to do basically they do got some kind of holistic process but it ain't like um what you used to but have y'all been seeing in the news about this college admission scandal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think people paying good... this crazy money well for the folks who don't know um essentially what has came out there's like over 50 schools who have gotten tied into this um, college admission scandal. I think, is it the FBI? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the FBI um, did this investigation, and what they found was essentially like a lot of people were paying lots of money to basically ensure that their students were getting accepted. So how were they doing this? One of the ways they were doing it was they were paying coaches to say that they were recruiting a specific kid, also the school would accept them. And I want to revisit that one. Uh, but other ways, like they were just outright paying like admissions officers and things like 
paying and fifth, I'm talking about $500,000, like all these types Big of lump sums, just so their kids can get accepted. And here you are, just y'all think about the amount of people who didn't have that amount of money to the sh- amount of money to share, probably would have been successful at these universities, but they didn't get accepted because they were, they didn't, you know, like they were giving these spaces to kids who have paid. It leaves me speechless, honestly. Just knowing my own story and knowing that, like, <laughs> maybe I would have been at uh, El Centro. Uh, 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 what's the other one? El Centro Eastville Community College <laughs> paying 150 per class. Do you hear me? Yeah. Working at the Min Yards. The grocery store. Because my friend be... wasn't assistant manager at the Min Yards. I was an assistant. I was a front end coordinator. Thank you. Oh, oh, oh pardon oh. me. But no, nah, so like... <laughs> I think about it because, like, I don't even think my mom or my parents would have allowed me to cheat my way into anything. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's what blows my mind. Like, my mom be like, no, you didn't earn that. You don't get to go. Or you should have, you know, been on your P's and Q's or you could and you could have got in. But no, these parents are like, no, let me pay my my baby way in the school. It makes me mad. Mm-hmm. And I get very angry about it. I mean, obviously, I work at a university and I was just talking to a, a person who does this type of work. And and it really just makes me mad because it one there were already se- I think the thing that gets me is there are already several ways in which like these universities and this type like they put these messages that they're just not made for you know really made for people other than white men right and like so you got these legacy ways like people can they already gonna get accepted because they um you know their daddy went to this university a long time ago their granddaddy went and so now you say that and now you accept it or you got the people who you know they're donating money the quote unquote correct way so they're big donors to the university cuz how dare you tell me and my name is over the union that my kid is not going to get accepted right. and I've given millions to this university right so you got those types of ways and then now it's like you have some black, you know, you have we're at a space now where black people have been to universities generations ago. So now you're seeing more black legacies. Right now you're seeing more black donors given the right way. But then it's like the needle is pushed. And now you got people giving money to, the wrong way. And then it's mm-hmm. like, you know, that the 51 schools or instances that the FBI are talking about now is only the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. They've the only caught 10 percent or less. They ain't caught everybody who doing this. Right. And so it's just like another example to me of like how black people or non-white men um, are able to do whatever they want to ensure their success. And they want to holler about like affirmative action is wrong and X, Y, and Z, but y'all paying millions of dollars to get into these schools. And if I'm not mistaken, somebody at the University of Texas was caught in this, right? I'm going to say just for the sake of my argument, because I don't really remember all all of the schools that are involved. I think somebody from University of Texas is is involved. And then now you got look at old Abby. She on here mad about affirmative action, but you got people paying to get in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. And probably don't see nothing wrong with it. Yeah. When I was at the um, when I was in L.A. at that conference. I always feel like I have to say the whole thing. That conference, that conference that Jasmine said we don't do nothing. Yet. Um, we did take a little break, if you will, and we went to visit U- USC's campus. And so we were walking around at USC, and USC is big into a lot of this. I don't know all the details of it, but uh, it's apparently a lot of money has been exchanged there. Um, mm-hmm. I think theirs has to do with either like an athletic director or either admi- actual admissions folks. 
But there were so many media on campus interviewing folks. And they even asked us, they were like, are y'all students? And the two people that I was with, they were like close. They were quickly to say, nah, we just visiting. If I would have been the one to answer, I would have been like, yeah, I'm a graduate student here. <laughs> I'd have been on NBC See, line, y'all. Petty. Line. Petty. Nah, yeah. It, it's crazy to me because there's people out here busting their ass. I work with students every day that are... You know, busting their ass trying to get good grades so they can transfer here, busting their ass just so they can get into nursing school and just really put in like legitimate, authentic work only to have, only to be competing against someone with clout and with money and with legacy that could come in and just soup up the spot, you know, that they have just worked tirelessly for. And I think it's just sad because it's like, College is somewhere, at least I believe, where you learn work ethic, like, or you either learn it or you, you know, continue to groom whatever you've already displayed. And for these people to be paying so much money and not really allowing their students to experience real rejection and what it means to have to find another plan, what it means to, you know, have to come up with alternative methods for whatever your dreams are. Like, that's crazy. And there's people out here doing that every day every right. day and you just paying your way to get into these schools and for and then what the, the dumb students a lot of them don't even like they're not even appreciative you can tell like you said they've gotten everything they ever wanted in life so there was one celebrity i think she is on full house maybe something like that was on, she she was on full house and was on full house right and oh they kicked off mm-hmm. good they did they kicked I- her off well, they said her daughter is like, or da- is it a daughter that she has? Mm-hmm. Is all on social media, like talking about, oh, like, oh, I got this test, blah, 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 but I ain't studying for it. I want to do this. I came to college for the tailgates. I came to college for all of this and like publicly saying this stuff. Just wasting your mama hard earned money. She didn't even want to go to college. Mm-hmm. It ain't no hard earned money. They probably had tons of $500,000 to give away. Oh, I'm wait, wait, wait. Okay, so. <laughs> Wait, 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 let me tell y'all because I got in a conversation with one of my white classmates and we were talking about how, you know, life is different based on your race, um, based on, you know, your education, things like that. And she's, she just couldn't get it and couldn't understand. And I said, OK, so when your father passed away, did you get an inheritance? And she was like, yes. And I was like, OK, you know, what did you do? What did you do with that? How did that help you? She was like, well. It was over a hundred thousand dollars of an and she and she has a sibling, so they split that. Mm. And she still had over a hundred. She she still had over a hundred. I said, so you started with that. You already got a leg up, and you did absolutely nothing, no work. I said, ask me how much I I'm gonna get. How much I got? Mm, mm, mm. Zero. And so many of us actually have to pay for that. So like you know. Yes. They're getting money because their relatives died. Think about those folks who, you know, the GoFundMe wasn't successful, so now they got to come out their pocket or take out a loan at the bank. All mm-hmm. for their people to have a acceptable memorial. Right. Mm. So, no, the, the playing field is not equal. No, and I think even for the people who choose not to see that, they see it. They know. Because, you know, good and goddamn well, or everybody ain't walking around here with no hundred thousand dollar you know inheritance from their parents let alone once again talking about buying houses like people ain't getting houses passed down to them that ain't no regular practice that's something our generation is being a lot more purposeful about so our kids can have something in their name when their parents die but 
let's let's really be real and it just really makes me mad how oblivious some people are about the privilege that exists it's like i'm not mad at you because you got privilege that's something that you couldn't control in the same way that i can't control that i don't have it but like be honest but about it you can it. be a little bit better yeah yeah just be honest about it it's yeah. okay ain't nobody mad at you because your daddy died and you got a whole bunch of money that ain't your fault but like don't act like don't, it didn't just- influence you in a positive direction right diversify your friend circle how about that because if you so lost in your world that you don't realize that everybody don't get what you got that's a problem you need to diversify your life for sure uh shaq do you have anything else that you want to say about this because if y'all let me i actually kind of want to this is a good segue into what i was going to talk about if y'all let me reorder a little bit go ahead i could go on and talk about this a lot and we already like far in we probably gonna have to break this mug up and and, and make this two staff means <laughs> i was about to say just you know nurse jay over here reading midwifery books so go ahead i ain't got no segment today um so we my company is really pursuing being an anti-racist organization i had never um good um, we talked about never, that in my presentation i'm like so happy good um and we're doing this work with this company called the equity lab and I can honestly say I've been in a lot of quote-unquote social justice trainings and whoop de whoop de whoop And this by far has been the best one. It's very extensive. Um, it happens in multiple parts. It happens with each team. Then we come together. It's happening in multiple phases. Like, it's really, really well thought out. And um, this, when we had our diversity training, <clears throat> was di diversity equity and inclusion training um this past week we were talking about something i had never heard of it's called the possessive investment in whiteness have y'all ever heard about that Mm -mm. Mm -mm. never heard about it but it blew my mind and basically it talked about how like clearly there is a, a a status that comes with whiteness white supremacy exists which is not the uh surprise here but that of course uh, because of whiteness there are certain things that are afforded to people who fit into that category um but the big piece about it which none of this is new right but the big piece about it that i never thought about it it was basically saying like there is a system um a system that exists that white people get to benefit from but even people outside of even people who are not white also invest in this system um and i was just like what it was like we invest and some of the ways in which we invest and which we talked a lot about is the fact that i'm not gonna wear my dreadlocks out when i go to an interview because i want to present myself as someone that is way more polished someone that would appeal to the white person um i invest in this by correcting my language when i'm around a white person because i don't want them to think that i am quote unquote ghetto or ratchet or uneducated we invest in this by um my friend, she said that she was like, if her and a white person are approaching a door, she going to let the white person go first. Same with me. Like if I, you know, not even thinking about it, if I see a white person in a room, if I'm like at an event or something, I see a white male in a room that, you know, clearly at least is sending off this vibe of being important. I feel like I need to act a certain way in front of him and or introduce myself to him. So he knows I'm one of the good ones things that i don't even think about things that we don't even think about and so it's talking about just investing in that system and what it does like even if we try like even if we are quote-unquote woke and we recognize what's happening but if we continue to invest in a system that works against us we never kill it 
Um, and especially if it's already being heavily invested in by white people and then you get all the other people of color who are doing it, one doesn't ever have the time to starve and die. It especially doesn't have it if we keep investing in it. And so just talking about that and talking about how as we invest in it, we don't really, we aren't really our true authentic selves because we basically mold and prim and uh, prime ourselves to be our best white, to be our best white selves. That's what we want to show as up white as, as every we day. Can be. As white as we can be. And I, I mean, I had heard about that, but I had never heard it used in that particular phrase. And I had never really thought about the ways in which I perpetuate the system by continuously investing in it every day. And I, and we talked a lot about how we teach our students, like do your resume a certain way, show up to that job interview a certain way, make sure you go talk to your professor, make sure you do this. All things that we have clearly been taught Going back to Dr. Ray's class, another class that we taught, Dr. Ray used to always say, you don't have to play the game, but you do have to recognize the game is being played around you. But I think, especially me and especially with my students, I go even further to tell them how to play the game so they can hopefully win. Um, but once again, investing in all these systems and structures that literally work against us every day. And so um, we talked about that and it just really blew my mind. And I really walked away from that particular training that day thinking like okay i really need to change some stuff like i'm not because i'm not a victim by any means but i'm like let me let me really change the way that i let me stop investing in this and it's hard because for me to say that i'm not going to invest in certain systems invest in certain practices it means i'm going to be putting a chopping block for doing so but like what does it mean for me to go ahead and endure those consequences for the greater good um and so the last thing i'll say about it i was at a black history month dinner and one of the questions was talking about how so going back to kind of this job idea and it was an argument on the room basically it was like as black people do you kind of conform temporarily to get the job or get the opportunity or do you just completely say excuse my language fuck that i'm gonna do what i want to do i'm a i'm gonna use my own people to get this particular opportunity even if it takes me long enough just so i ultimately don't invest in whiteness and there was a divide in the room and i remember in that particular position thinking like i think it's okay to conform sometimes you know we got to play that game but then I, after reading it i was like but why but then like you never i feel like you run the risk of never actually because you never want to play their game and i have a friend like this you never want to play their game to even get in the space you just never end up in the damn space and so all you can do is complain right or you think you're playing the game but the game like even if you play the game like the game still always works against you so what's the point <laughs> like you and that just really opened up my eyes to the ways in which I invest in whiteness that I'm really going to go forward in my life and be like, I'm not doing that no more. Like, I'm not going to do that. Okay, so, so for that, because, you know, we don't, we can talk, y'all. I would say for the next episode, like, let's discuss the ways that we invest in whiteness and how we are going to either change that um, or, you know, share what we have going on. I'm with it. I think that would make for a really good episode. I think it will. I really do. Um, and I also want to talk about how anti-racism, how that work, work, how that can work itself um, into the lives that white people play and how when they employ tactics of anti-racism, that's when we truly progress. All right? For sure. And, and I, I'll say, one more, can I say one more thing? And I think it's interesting, like my company is very small. It's only about 34 people and only two people are white. Two which is like unheard of in my life and probably a lot of our lives. <laughs> and so for a predominantly 
Exact um, opposite where I work, but anyway. <laughs> right. For a company to be predominantly people of color, um, to be doing this anti-racist work. And when I went into it and we were reading, I was like, dang, yet another group of people of color trying to do the work that is like, wh- where do we, how do we do this work? Like it's other people need to be doing it. But then to see just the different ways that we have invested in a system that's against us, I was like, okay, maybe there is some work for us to do. But it just also really made me feel good that even with the two white people in the room, they were very vocal and very respectful and very like two people that I know, at least two people in my life that I know that really do recognize their privilege as people, um, as white people. Um, and so it was just, it's just interesting. That just really blew my mind this week. So possessive investment in whiteness all right well we talked about what we're going to talk about next staff meeting i think we want to hear what everybody else want to hear next staff meeting and so how can they do that they can reach us on facebook and instagram at, <laughs> at books to bills podcast um, yes. you can also follow us on twitter at books to bills or we would love it if you sent us an email because our inbox is dry so um hit us in the ems um, at from books, I mean, excuse me. I see what you said about last week. How the email wrote on her wrong. Oh, it's so still sorry. Wrong. Um, you can email us at from books to bills podcast at gmail.com. Y'all have a good day and be blessed.